Be seated. Good morning. Is this on? Do I need to? Okay, there you go. <laughs> That's much better. It's always smarter to uh, leave the microphone in control of the guys back there than the person out here. That's good work. All right, I want to take a quick look at the last part of the gospel reading, if you'll pull that out. We want to look at it again, just in case you didn't want to hear it. And we're going to let you be the lawyer this time, just at the very end, okay? So the, the story, Jesus wraps the story up. He says to the, to the innkeeper, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. And Jesus turns back to the lawyer and says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. He said, You sound just about as reluctant as the lawyer did. He really didn't want to fess up to that. Okay, come on. Show, show us that you really got the message. Okay, so which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? That's better. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now, there are scripture passages that come up periodically in the lectionary that are so complicated, so obtuse, so obscure, that it is really important to have a clergy person up here with a seminary degree who has studied the Bible and theology and can unpack the intricacies of the scripture for you. This is not one of those passages. Okay? It's pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, you know what this means. So who's going to tell me? What, what's, who's brave enough? Stand up. Come on. Who's going to tell me? What is... To... Okay, I'm going to let everybody hear you. Okay. If someone needs help, do it. How's that, guys? Good. Anybody want to expand on that? No, we got to be a neighbor. It's, this is not difficult stuff. It's not hard. This is not one of those obscure parables. This is one of the parables that is so clear, so straightforward, that it makes us horribly, horribly uncomfortable. We know what it demands of us. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what Jesus meant. Get out there. Take care of your neighbor. Love everybody in the world. Look after their needs. See to their well-being. You know, this is a very hard passage to live into. You know, this morning, I'm riding up from Carlsbad on my motorcycle. I've just barely got enough time to get here before the 7.30 service starts. And, of course, there's a car stopped on the side of the road with its flashers going. Should I stop? And I think, I'm preaching on the parable of the Good Samaritan this morning. And I drove right by. 
Now, if you're like me, there is this persistent gap between the things that I believe, the values that I hold, and the life that I lead. Am I the only one? Is that a problem for anybody else here? No. Um, whoever said that, I'd like to talk to you. <laughs> okay. You could come up and preach, all right? I mean, that's, you're clearly more spiritually sound than I am. Good heavens. I mean, this problem goes back um, to the Apostle Paul. You know, in the letter to the Romans, he says, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And our goal is to kind of close that gap whenever and wherever we can. Now, one of the other little prickly theological issues that I've always, I always used to have a lot of problem with was the notion of original sin. Now, I don't, once again, I don't know where you are on the whole doctrine of original sin. I was kind of a non-believer on this, right up until the day that my daughter was born. <laughs> and having an infant in my house convinced me of the truth of the doctrine of original sin. Because it, Megan came into this world absolutely convinced that everything in the universe existed for one reason and one reason only, and that was to make her happy. She was convinced. And when, for some reason, the world did not cooperate and did not make her happy, she expressed her disappointment. That's the way we're born. We are born completely and totally self-centered. Probably a good thing. Helped keep us alive, but that's who we are. We are wrapped up in ourselves at the moment of birth. And the process of living and growing, in the Christian faith at least, is to move gradually down the road towards understanding that our self-interest is ultimately wrapped up with the well-being of every single living creature in the universe, and we cannot separate those. Let me tell you, that drove my daughter nuts as she was... I have to tell you, she was four years old. She went to her first... She, she hadn't... She had had a birthday party but she hadn't been to somebody's birthday party, okay? So she goes to the birthday party. I drop her off, all these cute little kids running around. Looks great. She comes home. I pick her up. She's clearly in a funk. I said, Megan, what, what happened? What, did you like the party? She said, I didn't get any presents. I said, Megan, it wasn't your party. I don't care. <laughs> you know, so there's, an, uh, you know, the world is not all about you, Megan. I'm sorry. 
It isn't. And we all have to learn that. I had a very dear friend who was a now deceased, a brilliant counselor and mentor to me. He said to me, we all act in our self-interest all the time. And that's okay. The point is, we need to understand that our own self-interest is in fact wrapped up with the well-being and self-interest of everyone on the planet. And to ignore that is not in your self-interest. Jesus didn't ignore that. He's the best example we've got. He realized that it really was in his self-interest to give himself entirely for us. Now, once again, if you're like me, we, I have some way to go to achieve that level of other-centeredness in my life. But it's a vision of creation that has been pointed to by theologians and scholars and faithful people repeatedly across the centuries. One of my favorites is the great poet and priest, theologian, John Donne. You probably know this quote, 1624. It's been a few years ago. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod, if a small clod be washed away by the sea, all of Europe is the lesser. As Just as well as if an entire peninsula were. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind. Therefore, never, never send to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. The real challenging question of our day is not who is my neighbor, but who is not my neighbor. Can we honestly say that there are people on this planet who are not my neighbor? When the shirt on my back was made by a teenager in a Bangladesh, who died in a garment factory that collapsed into a pile of rubble due to managerial neglect, can I honestly say she was not my neighbor? When the cell phone in my pocket was made by a Chinese laborer working in substandard conditions and getting paid miserably for long hours of tedious work, can I really say that he is not my neighbor? I don't know how you feel about the verdict in the Zimmerman case, but can any of us honestly say that the gospel understanding of neighborliness includes violence and death? Who possibly can it be anymore who is not my neighbor? I'd like to offer you a word from a modern American prophet, a gentleman who was a Presbyterian minister and whose message of love and care and whose invitation to neighborliness 
was a daily inspiration to many people, and I think might still be. I think you'll recognize his voice. to sing along. So Jesus comes before us, looks at every one of us, in our eyes and our hearts tells us a story and then says to us which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers and he said okay so go do likewise likewise 